The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fanside. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And Thomas, we've got the haves and have-nots of the AL East this week. The Red Sox series is over. The Rays series is chugging along. How you feeling? Feeling okay. I uh, don't really like going straight out of the Red Sox series and now having to face this BS again, uh, again with Tampa. Um, but nonetheless, we got a ton of things to discuss. We'll wrap up that Sox series. We'll talk about what's to come in this Rays series. And then we have some, uh, we have some hot stuff coming with uh, the trade deadline and, and this speculation with the Indians. Yeah, I will say I am not ready for the trade deadline. We can speculate all we want. Uh, more so than ever, it's like, do you even feel comfortable trading someone anywhere during a raging pandemic? But I don't know. We'll see. I also don't know what the Yankees need and who's available and every team's a contender because there's 27 eligible. Like the Red Sox could be back in the playoff race. Uh, if they win three games in a row, just kidding, they can't. But well, you know, you just there's no there's no way of knowing who's going to be available in 12 days, let alone like two days. But anyway, we will try, uh, folks. If you like the podcast, or if you are encountering the podcast in your articles and you want more, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hit subscribe, leave us a five star review and a comment. Uh, mailbag questions are much appreciated. Uh, leave us your Yankee Stadium memories. We would love to do another Yanks for the memories segment. 
So drop those when you drop us with a five-star review, and we would love to chat with you and interact with the stuff you've got for us. Um, so let's get right into it with the Sox series. Uh, when we talked to Liam McEwen, uh, our resident Boston doofus, on Monday, the Yankees had taken the first three games of that series, and we were kind of feeling weird. It was feeling a little 1998 Yankees Devil Rays-ish. It was like we, we kind of had the discussion preemptively, like even if we lose this fourth game of the series, like it sucks that the Red Sox are this bad because it's going to be a disappointment for fans to even drop one. Um, but then guess what? They didn't even do that. Uh, the Yankees put out a, a D squad lineup, like a spring training split squad, the group that goes to Lakeland, Florida to face the Tigers affiliate. And they still managed to beat the Red Sox 6-3. Uh, Thomas, did you watch uh, Martin Perez in the rain delay game? I mean, how sad is this at this point? I did, and uh want to thank Liam again for coming on. But, I mean, after that game, he had to have been uh, George Michael in Arrested Development just, just falling on in the on the living room floor. And He can't be watching anymore. He, like, <laughs> I, he can't be watching. No. Uh, I mean, this lineup, as you said, Hicks, Voigt, Frazier, Torres, that's a pretty, you know, good top four. And then you go Gary and Duhar, Talkman, Estrada, Kratz, and Tyler Wade. And this lineup hangs six on you. Montgomery, Montgomery has this okay outing before they go to the pen and just decide, I guess they wanted to give Michael King some time. Um, he, he looked good. So uh, once he, Oh yeah. And Chapman Chapman, of course, got, got his uh, tune up rep against the Reds uh, tune up reps against the Red Sox. But uh, I watched it. Uh, like I said earlier in the week, completely underwhelmed uh, figured that this was going to be the outcome. Not fun to face the Red Sox this year. Not even fun to laugh at them and talk trash about them because it, it honestly is sad at this point. I think the Mookie Betts trade might be working out for them because Alex Verdugo is their best player right now. <laughs> uh, at least that's what it looks like. We got, uh, you know, Pilar's doing his thing as we expected, but JD is still, uh, JD still not really getting it together. He's batting 238, I believe, uh, 244. I'm sorry. Um, oh, that's to JD. Never, he's, he's fixed. Yeah. JD, uh, Devers 207, Shavis 245. I mean, this pitching staff is a joke. They threw out three guys we've never heard of in in this series. Chris Mazza with the uh, with the last one. Um, who's the guy that we like though? Uh, I like Austin Bryce. That yeah, that guy, guy. That guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He the throws joke. he throws a weird little heavy fastball. Yeah. And even it, Aaron Hicks took him. As deep oh my as God! Yeah, beating somebody on Monday. I know that it, it was going. I'm surprised that didn't break the uh, the facing of the second. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code Radio, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. I've been watching, yeah, I've been watching baseball for a long time. Like, it's it's rare that I just laugh out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so that one, he just stomped on that pitch. Yeah, once again, I just don't under, really understand what this team is doing. Like, 
typically, I guess, in a year like this, you might throw some top prospects into the mix. I've, I, I, I kind of follow the Red Sox and their farm system. I, I don't really – or any – they don't have any of their top guys up right now. They're not giving anybody really any time. It's just kind of this team of nothing, and the core is just absolutely putrid for whatever reason. Um, you know, I know you wrote, you wrote the article that kind of got some flack about how it's pretty obvious that they were probably cheating in 2018 – because of this dip off that we're seeing in the offense. Yes, they traded the heart and soul of the offense in Mookie Betts, but it's a little bit weird that all of these guys, with the exception of Xander Bogarts and obviously Mitch Moreland, who just who who is an automatic automatic Red Sox hitter, um, are are disappearing or just being complete. I mean, JD Martinez striking out on those three pitchers from Ottavino, he looked like he had gotten called up for his first major league at bat. Yeah, that was weird. And the reaction to that article, by the way, apparently Yankee fans didn't want that. I actually got Yankee fans in my mention saying it was terrible. And like, you know, that's, that's your prerogative. I guess I misjudged my fellow fans a little bit. But I mean, the fact remains, you know, you take Mookie Betts off this Red Sox team, that is obviously a huge hole. You also, you know, it makes, I guess what I'm trying to say is it makes sense that they're worse, right? The pitchers are bad. They're trotting out non-pitchers instead of Chris Sale and David Price and Rick Porcello. Like, the team being worse makes complete and total sense. But the offensive players regressing in the way they've regressed without Alex Cora, it's hard to wrap your mind around. And people blaming J.D. Martinez's regression on his lack of access to the video room. Like, the video room is the center of these cheating scandals. You're basically saying, like, well, J.D. Martinez is the only hitter being affected by the pandemic because he can't, you know, rewatch his batting practice. Like, in what way does that make sense? Like, there just has to be. That feels like when they found Andrew in Mark McGuire's locker and they were like, Mark McGuire is using a dietary supplement. Okay. Like, it's on every broadcast. But does anybody want to dissect what J.D. Martinez might be doing in the video room and the relationship you might have with that whole process? And then Devers is hitting, like, he, he went from 35% hard hit rate to, like, 17%. Like, he's hitting fastballs way less. Uh, just the simple things that, like, you know, maybe if you uh, feel comfortable and know a fastball is coming, you're probably going to hit it with more authority. Like, I'm, I can't say with any certainty, because the MLB cleared them in the investigation, that the Red Sox were, were cheating on this widespread level in 2018. But I can tell you that Alex Cora masterminded a cheating operation in 2017. The Red Sox cheated in 2017, were told to stop cheating, then developed a new system of cheating with Apple Watches. And then after 2017, they married Alex Cora, the greatest cheater of our generation. And then suddenly he decided to stop cheating. I just, I don't think that that is really plausible, especially with MLB policing these things so little at that point. So we'll see. I guess we'll see, or maybe we won't because we're only unsealing the Yankees letter and we're never unsealing any other letters. But it's just out of character for Alex Cora to not cheat. And now all the offensive players that thrived under Alex Cora are taking big steps back. Yeah, so they, they got off to this hot start in the first game of the season. They win 13 to two and you have JD saying, Hey, you know, you know, this is, this is a good offense. You know, we could, we could do some, we could do some serious work this year. And then they go on to only win five more games. And the odd thing about all of this is they're not facing good pitching aside from the Rays. Like, sure, you can call the, the Yankees have a solid pitching staff, but it's nothing special. But when you get once you get past Cole, the Red Sox have enough talent to hit the rest of the guys in our rotation. They face the Orioles, the Mets, who the Mets are a, a mess. 
the Ra the Rays are the Rays probably have the best pitching staff of the teams that they face. Blue Jays, which they won two out of three, and then they got walloped by the Phillies last night. So they're not entirely facing otherworldly pitching to to make me sit here and be like, oh well, you know what? You know, they faced DeGrom a couple times, you know, they ran into a couple of buzzsaws here and there. They haven't. They they they've they ran into a couple of good arms and then you know, they got destroyed in the opening series of the season against the Orioles at Fenway. So uh, something's weird. That's all I'm that say. Red Sox Orioles opening night game is going to be like an old takes exposed. Absolute it should be. Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. All the post game quotes. There were so many Red Sox beat writers that night doing the whole like, in case you didn't know, this team can hit thing. <laughs> Like, they might not oh, be able to pitch, but you better believe this team could mash. I actually don't believe that because they've gone on to win five games against low levels of competition. And then you had Dennis Eckersley while the Orioles were, you know, downtrodden in the booth going, Gosh, I sure would hate to be a broadcaster for these Orioles. I'll tell you that right now. Like, yeah. well, I sure would hate to have to go to Fenway Park every day uh, and sit in cramped seats and watch a 6-18 and 18 team, at least Red Sox fans, say what you will, uh, don't have to go to the ballpark and watch these games. And Sam Kennedy officially ruled out this week, fans will not be attending Red Sox games in 2020. I wonder why that admission came this week of all weeks. I don't he think they'd like, be attending even if they could attend. Yeah, a month ago, he was like, science might be on our side. And after watching his hitters hit a combined like 212, he was like, science has flip-flopped. No, <laughs> no more potential. For We're so sorry. You guys are just busting down the doors trying to get into Fenway. It's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to go into a series with the Red Sox going, we should sweep these people. And if we don't sweep, that's going to be a problem. But unfortunately that's where we are. And you're right. They're not using their top prospects, which is either a tell that they're now resigned to tanking or stupidity. Like, I don't know which one it is, but they have Brian Mata and Tanner Houck on the mound at the upper levels, you know, at least double a, those guys are interesting. Those guys are top 10 prospects whether they're the future of the Red Sox rotation or not. Mata might be a bullpen piece. We don't, you know, Hauk might be a bullpen piece. Either way, like, those are the guys I want to see up right now. The Tigers just called up Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize to start Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And they're like a 500 team. Like, they can make a playoff push. I don't really know why the Red Sox would deprive their fans of at least the ability and, and the hope that there's talent existing. Like, if you put talent in front of their faces – that's better than running out the same exact people and being like, we know it. Like it's tough to win a three-two game in the six, but here's Marcus Walden again. Like they're just getting the doors blown off when the bullpen opens, and they should at least be making an attempt to do something else. Yeah, nine straight losses, fourteen of fifteen lost at Yankee Stadium, uh, and Christian Vasquez has the audacity to try and talk trash after that. So I mean. You, you wrote about that, too. Uh, I guess he's feeling good about the one ring that he's got. Apparently, he doesn't know how many rings the, Yankee ha the Yankees have. Yes, uh, we could go the classic Boston argument, oh, you got all of those rings before color TV. And it's like, uh, yeah, but you're, you know, the history of your team, you know, the, the cool uh, Ted Williams and all that before color TV, you're not going to acknowledge any of that. Uh, no one's going to acknowledge the past. Boston, who is – Boston, who still reveres Sam Adams and Benjamin Franklin and colonial America when you go there. It's all the history. Now, apparently, we're just disregarding the last 100 years of history because it, it, it's advantageous for the Yankees. So, 
uh, good for Christian Vasquez for trying to stand up tall when uh, getting pounded into the dirt, but uh, not gonna, not really gonna fly, not really gonna ruffle anybody's feathers either. Yeah, more Boston hypocrisy. Apparently, it's lame to chant twenty-seven rings, but it's cool to chant one ring. <laughs> okay, great, great. We'll 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 file that one away. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, but the Red Sox, they are a fake rival now. Uh, we've officially thrown dirt on them. We go to Fenway three more times this year. Uh, I'm glad we were able to get that rain delay. I, even when I thought we were going to lose that rain delay game, I'm glad, I was glad we were going to get it in just because I didn't want to have to think about the Red Sox again. Okay. Now that game's over, and we won. So, bonus. Uh, there's three more at Fenway in the middle of September. But the much more pertinent rivalry is Yankees-Rays. Uh, the Rays are chirping us in the way that the Sox used to in 03 and 04. We play the Rays constantly. I don't know who designed this schedule, um, and it was partially due to the weirdness of those canceled games in Philly. We had to throw a doubleheader into a Rays series that didn't originally have it. But bottom line, we went to Tampa for four a week and a half ago. It was really upsetting. Uh, Garrett Cole won a seven-inning doubleheader game. But other than that, they, you know, they were a couple seconds away from splitting it before James Paxton fell apart in the seventh. Really bad series. Uh, you know, could have won two, definitely could have won, couldn't have won the other two. Uh, pretty bleak, one and three at the trough. And now the Rays are back at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and then guess what? In like another week and a half, the Rays are back at Yankee Stadium again. So we're getting our entire Rays season series out between the middle of August and beginning of September, um, which normally the Yankees dominate the Rays. Roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at coda.com forward slash transit app. At Yankee Stadium, so splitting it six and four would be preferable. You would sort of look at that and go, you know, this is what the Yankees want. The Rays, I believe, uh, have won 16 games at Yankee Stadium and have lost 35 over the past several years. It doesn't feel that way. And, you know, the, the losses are more front of mind than the wins that Travis Darno game last year against Chapman would be sort of at the forefront. But apparently we, we do do well against the Rays and the Bronx, uh, which means that it was all the more upsetting when, you know, Tuesday's game kind of looked like more of the same. Masahiro Tanaka with the flat stuff, not the stuff he brought to the trop when he faced the Rays, you know, a little bit ago. You could tell from the first inning on he didn't have it, and you could kind of tell that, you know, when, when you give the Rays a certain amount of runs, the game is over. And now, despite this small comeback, the Yanks are now 1-4 against the Rays going into the Garrett Cole start on Wednesday. I mean, this is the real deal. This is the rivalry now. Yeah, the, the, it, it, it is sickening because the, we lost three out of four at the trap. The Rays didn't score more than five. They scored five, four, and one in, in those wins. Uh, and we have the best offense. So it, it's just, it's a very bizarre problem that we're dealing with. I respect what they do. They have very little to work with. And this front office has been at the top of, you know, their game along with the A's in terms of seeking out this talent, making these shrewd trades, you know, diving into the analytics to make sure hitters one through nine have bring some sort of value to the table. But I mean, it's just so frustrating losing to these guys. The team is like, the team is not good. The team just has like a bunch of guys who can do do their job okay, and then one or two of them will blow up against us, and that's that. Like last night, well, 
Brandon Lau apparently is our is our second biggest enemy aside from Blake Snell, which we'll get in get into in a second. But like in that Rays, that the last Rays loss when we when we were up and we had that blow up inning, Michael King had had two outs and an 0-2 count, and then walked the batter, and then the bases loaded. We got the uh, bases loaded with walks. We had an 0-2 count on Kevin Kier. We're walking Kevin Kiermeyer. The guy bats one 189. He was batting 189 in that series, and we and we walk him. Like, pitch the ball to him. This is a guy who's talking. He, this was the tweet that, oh, my God, set me over the edge earlier this year. He tweeted, uh, after, I think, their second series of the season, he had this sweet play in the outfield where Hunter Renfro was trying to field a fly ball. It was just – it was hilarious. He looked like he was, you know, running with a blindfold on. Kiermaier comes in, swipes the ball off one bounce, throws it to the cutoff man, perfect, and then the cutoff man throws it home, gets the runner at the plate. And then Kiermaier tweets, perfect example of why I don't appreciate being compared to other outfielders across this league. Not even close, people. Shout out to B. Lau and Mikey Z as well for a perfect relay and tag as well. Your internet trolls are going to be furious with this one, lol. Who is, who, who is furious with this? I mean, aside from you saying that you don't want to be compared to – first of all, Jack – I'll hate the Red Sox a little day. Jackie Bradley Jr. is certainly rivals you in the outfield defense department. You are not far and away the best outfielder in this league, and you don't have a bat. Like, what are you talking about? Kiermaier is the eyewash king. He's like, dude, he's like getting to the wall and leaping in front of the wall just to say he's left at the ball. Yeah. Like, he, he's got the giant eye black. And, and like you said, he, he doesn't hit, but then he does key these rallies. Like there are innings against the Rays that are so predictable. They come out of nowhere and it's like Kiermaier suddenly spitting on breaking balls. And then Kiermaier lines a double into the right center field gap. Like, Joey Wendell looks terrible in his first two swings. He's, like, absolutely – he's, like, choking up on the bat like he's Lee Willie Keeler. Mm -hmm. And then he's whiffing twice. And then on the 0-2 pitch, he, you know, spanks one into the gap, too. Like, the Rays score on you in a snap. And they put up two runs. And you're like, oh, I guess the game is over because I'm not going to hit Peter Fairbanks and Diego Castillo or whatever. Like, these bullpen guys are so automatic – it's almost – and the Yankees put up sort of non-competitive at-bats. That's why it was so impressive when they did rally back from 6-1 to 6-3 yesterday. Voight hit a huge homer. And then they load the bases against Diego Castillo. Of course, they do score a run if the ball that bounces in front of Mike Ford doesn't hit his foot. And they do probably score more runs if Diego Castillo doesn't throw the first good pitch of the entire inning on 3-2 to Luke Voigt with the bases loaded. Like, guy can't find the plate. And then suddenly Guy absolutely paints the bottom of the zone with a slider. Like, you just knew that was going to happen. Yankees had their struggles with the bases loaded in general. It's compounded when suddenly a guy's pulling a miraculous pitch out of his pocket that he didn't have a few seconds ago. Kiermaier is your guy. You hate Kiermaier. Um, and I hate Kiermaier, too. It's, you know, I'm not, like, a diehard Kiermaier guy. But my guy, as far as embodying this rivalry, is Blake Snell. Because he just – he's – Look, I will give him credit. He is the guy who gets it. Uh, he's also just – he's sort of a punk. And, you know, the, the little things he does, the sneer, uh, just the confidence and cockiness he carries himself with, it's not unearned. He has every right to be confident. Uh, you, one of the best pitchers in the American League and the Cy Young winner two years ago. But he is – could not be more different against the Yankees in Tampa and at Yankee Stadium. 
Uh, entering last night's start, he has a 5.82 ERA against the Yankees in the Bronx. Uh, and he ended up going five innings, three earned runs yesterday, and his stuff didn't seem to have the trademark bite on it. But, you know, that hasn't stopped him from talking about how much he parties when the Rays beat the Yankees, how it means that much more to them, how Aaron Judge is trolling him in the batter's box by giving him little smiles and how that sets him off. Yesterday, he said he was psyching himself up in the bullpen by yelling, you suck at himself to replicate the experience of being That's in the stadium. That is funny, but, you know, that it's just – it perpetrates this myth. Oh, the Yankees yeah. are the only – they're the only stadium that has fans that jeer you. Like, are, is that really the only place you're being heckled? Like, it also speaks to the fact that he would never hear heckling like that in Tampa because there are no people keyed into the baseball results in Tampa. <laughs> like, I can't imagine a person attending a Rays game telling a Yankee that they suck. Actually, I mean, everyone tells the Yankees they suck. And they're well, over it's all people. Yankee fans there when the Yankees come to town. It's all Yankees fans telling Giancarlo Stanton that he sucks <laughs> <laughs> in Tampa. So I guess that's why Blake Snell feels that way. But to me, it's just he's got this villain look. He He's the confident swagger king of the rotation where, like, I'm more afraid of Charlie Morton, frankly, in a big game when we have to face the Rays. He's got better command, and he's got better, you know, know-how and experience in battling the Yankees. But Snell's just, like, the Rays should be this well-run team, right? It really should be David versus Goliath where it's like the Yankees are behemoths and the Rays are winning at the margins and they're making smart bunts and they're stealing bases and taking the extra base or whatever. And that's why it's like such a rivalry. It's mismatched styles. But no, the Rays want to be like a bunch of party bros and like they want to be loud and brash. And that just feels like the Red Sox and not the Rays. And Snell is kind of the king of that. Like I'm not sure how he ended up here. Not sure why he hates the Yankees so much. He's from Renton, Washington. Like, he's not from Massachusetts. Uh, but God bless. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to knock the smirk off his face. And so far, two opportunities to do that in 2020, and we haven't. So that's, I think, why it's so frustrating. Uh, he, he's the person you want to come out on top against, and so far, he is besting us pretty consistently. Yeah, and uh, to go off of that, Brand, Brandon Lau is, uh, is backing up his talk. Uh, hate to say it, but uh, after he kind of he called out the Yankees after I think it was the last game of the uh, of the four game set and said that uh, the we're kind of being babies in regards to the trash talk. We don't like it when they talk trash back or whatever it was. Three RBIs last night from him. He also had the game winning uh, the game winning go ahead homer in the uh, in the fourth game of that series. So. He's looking good. He was, I think, the runner-up for Rookie of the Year a couple seasons ago, and then uh, injuries injuries derailed his campaign. But versatile guy, great hitter, I think. I've always been a fan of him. He's been a fantasy player of mine for uh, for at least – well, not this year, for the uh, couple of years before that. But, yeah, I mean, Snell, Snell is shaping up to be that that villainous-type dude because he has the, the resume behind it. Um, and I always just think back to when he was on Twitch in the offseason when they were talking about getting the deal done and playing under the pandemic. And he's just like, no, bro, I'm not doing it. Not doing that. There's no way I'm doing that. And all the old school guys called him out. They're like, this guy's playing video games, talking about contract negotiations and, and labor disputes. It's disgusting. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But, yep, we, uh, we have work to do uh, in terms of shutting these guys up and making sure that we can run away with the division and make sure that they're not really on our tail. Uh, plenty of work to do ahead, though. 
that's the problem with Snell, though. Like, it, the message is right. It's the problem with Snell and the Rays. When he was on Twitch talking about how the players wanted to get what was theirs or whatever, of course, I mean, almost everyone was on the side of the players. And Snell's brashness sort of turned people off when they yeah. were like, wait, are players greedy? Like, were we wrong? Like, no. Players needed to be protected. They needed to be kept safe. And also Snell, by the way, in spring training, said some stuff that was really dismissive of coronavirus before they got dismissed from, from camp. That was like, it's the, like, it's the flu. Like, I'm not going to, like, you can protect yourself. I'm not going to, like, stuff like that. Yeah. And so for him to come back a couple months later and demand to be protected, it sort of came off as hypocritical. But it was just the tone. And it is, for me, with the Rays, just the tone. Like, if they were – Brandon Lau feels like a kind of quiet player who is like DJ LeMahieu Jr., but then the, the face of the team is still Snell. And, like, look, if they're going to keep winning, they can talk all they want. We can't stop them. It's just – it's there now the team that you want to shut up, uh, especially because of Snell's tone and the way he behaves. And the Yankees haven't even come close yet. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep grinding. But back so it up tonight. We gotta, yeah, hopefully we'll back it up tonight. It's, it's very unpleasant so far. And the Rays can do whatever, like the, the unpleasant thing is the Rays have earned the right to do whatever they want because they keep running over us. So hopefully that stops. Um, also Snell, when they traded uh, Tommy Pham, uh, calling the guy that they got to return a slapdick prospect was, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. So I will, give, I will give him that, but I don't think he knew what he was doing at that point either. Um, okay, great. So we will just transition now. We got to talk about it. Uh, the trade deadline is coming up. It has led to a lot of sort of weird speculation. Uh, some MLB insiders and national reporters have used the deadline as a chance to spin off the conversation and talk about a few other deals that are going to be pertinent in a few years. Uh, the Indians and Yankees are sort of getting matched up these days uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they obviously have Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, who are now an issue in that clubhouse. Uh, who They both broke coronavirus protocol, went out in Chicago, have since been demoted to the alternate site. Um, so there's now a, a serious conversation about whether the Indians are going to have to cut ties with two of their best young pitchers. They have an overload of young pitchers, and now there are two who the, the locker room has turned against. So the trade rumors with those two guys are very real. Uh, and that sort of led the national media to spin off and have a larger conversation. Thanks to Ken Rosenthal, the Francisco Lindor rumors are back. Uh, Rosenthal is now talking about how the Yankees not only should obtain Lindor, but should prioritize paying him over paying Aaron Judge. Using, using the last couple weeks as justification for this flip-flop, uh, Thomas, what say you about Lindor, the necessity of that, and, and what you do with Judge and honestly, Glaber Torres and Lemayhew, if you make that deal. Yeah, this is the same issue with re-signing Didi. Obviously, Lindor is in another stratosphere uh, than Didi. Um, but we're going to run into the same issues. And I don't think it's very Yankees-esque to not pay both of these guys if they have the opportunity to do so. In terms of Judge and Lindor, though, we did talk about what happens if Judge keeps getting injured. We, we, we really don't know. Because how do you approach him with a contract before his arbitration years are over if he still has not had a full sample size since 2017? Is any contract, you know, below a certain number that's offered to him viewed as disrespect and then you kind of sour the relationship? We don't know. However, at this point, if Judge keeps getting injured, I, I don't see a scenario where he's able to sign like a deal 
over like $150 million. Call me crazy. I just, I don't know if that's possible if he's physically not on the field. His play is certainly worth that more, but if he can't guarantee that he's playing, you know, upwards of 145 games a year, it's not going to happen. However, bringing in Lindor is the same issue in terms of having to shuffle people. Sure, I'm sure everybody would love to have this guy in the Bronx. Uh, perfect for media relations, perfect just for morale in general. He's a, he's a positive dude. He loves to support his teammates. He's, he's outspoken on the things that you want to be outspoken about. But then what are we going to do? Glaber's going back to second. Who's going, is DJ going to third? Is D, we're re-signing DJ. There's no question about that. Then what are we doing with Gio? Are we trading Gio? I, maybe, maybe we could trade him for a pitcher. I don't know if fans want that to happen. It's just going to require a lot of shuffling. And I don't want to say it would destroy team chemistry, but it's, it's going to affect it in a certain way. If, you know, a couple of guys that have, you know, have been integral to the team's success over the last two years are dealt in favor of a, you know, a bigger star. And, you know, then you're talking about moving, admitting that Gleyber Torres is not your shortstop of the future, moving him back to second, and then I know DJ's capable. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. But, you know, you're moving DJ again. He, I know he got time at like first base last year or whatever. Now you're moving him to third, I guess, in this hypothetical scenario. Um, I think it's a little messy. Um, and I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I just think it's a lot for Brian Cashman to do, especially after everything that he's done over the past three, four years. Uh, but th those are my feelings about it. Yeah, I've never understood it. At a certain point, this is your team. Yeah. Like, there, there's going to be a next generation of the Yankees, and maybe Gio Rochelle is not here in seven, eight years. But at a certain point, you know, this – and it's it comes from sort of an old-school fan perspective. These are the guys. Like, you can upgrade areas that need upgrades, but when you have an infield set like this, and one of the main arguments in favor of bringing Lindor in is his relationship with Urshela – I don't know how you can import him and then also take Urshela's job away. Like, I think any Lindor deal or signing would have to involve the jettisoning of DJ LeMahieu. Like, I think he's the most likely guy to go in that scenario. And I don't really see how that's an upgrade because we Lindor's star power is monstrous. But LeMahieu is the one who makes this lineup tick and who changes the construction of the at-bats that they take. Like, he, he is in many ways the most important man on the roster. So at a, at a certain point, you know, it, every fan wants to build an all-star team, but you can only build an all-star team as it is reasonable. Like, if the speculation were that the Yankees were going to bring in a bunch of the best pitchers in baseball, that would make more sense to me. Yeah, completely if, different. If someone was going to tell me that, like, in t like just we wait in two years, they're going to have, like, three more all-stars in the rotation, and they'll have paid them. That kind of feels like the cocky Yankee fan thing to do. But bringing in Lindor, it's weird. It's such an ever-present conversation. But not only is there no room for him, like, there there would need to be sacrifices that would involve, like, our favorite players and most important players. So I, I don't really understand a way that it happens. And you need to at – a, at a certain point, you can't chase stardom in the way where you're looking at the reclamation project that is Gio Urshela 
who has one of the best hard hit rates in baseball, and he's, you know, a 300 hitter with 25 home run power, and you're trying to, you know, sub in Francisco Lindor in that scenario, who is, you know, Urshela is approximating Lindor right now at a discount. Um, so the, the financial disadvantage gained there seems paramount to the advantage, very marginal in, in switching those players around and flip-flopping everybody and maybe making Glaber Torres worse because you're messing with his head. I, all of it seems weird. Um, in terms of Plesak and Clevenger, I would absolutely entertain a smaller deal for one of those guys. The, the talk is sort of, it's ballooned into this, get Lindor, don't pay judge, get the pitchers, like giant cluster. I would sort of, like, Plesak made a huge mistake He's persona non grata, and he doesn't appear to be learning from his mistake, which is the biggest issue. He's sort of going on Cleveland radio shows and arguing in favor of his point and getting thrown off Cleveland radio shows. Um, but people are going to pursue a trade for him in the offseason or sooner. It's going to happen. It's the sad reality of Major League Baseball when there is this advantage to be gotten. Teams will be digging, and one of those teams will probably be the Astros because they like to take downtrodden people and reformat them. So if the Astros are going to be in on the bidding, the Yankees have to be too. Um, and maybe that's a viable use of Miguel Andujar, right? Really strong bat. I can't figure out his future in pinstripes. I think anybody watching the team this year can't either. Uh, his value is lower than it has been, but so is Plesak's because they're getting more and more desperate by the day as Plesak books himself on QAnon podcast to describe why he did nothing wrong like becoming a bit of a toxic element in that Indians locker room. So the Yankees are, I guess, kind of getting lucky that a, a you know, really capable young pitcher, probably a three-starter ceiling, is sliding back in the same way that Andujar, a near rookie of the year in 2018, an Indians team that is desperate for bats, specifically outfield bats. There could be sort of this perfect lower-tier match, and maybe we don't need to talk about sacrificing the entire farm system and budget for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, like you said, it's the move here is pitching. We're not trying to fix something that's not broken with the lineup. This lineup is the best. We have we have the best depth. There's there's no reason to do further tinkering by adding Lindor. The move is to just add more starters. This has been the problem with the team for the past 10 years. So we've already addressed it with Garrett Cole. Now's the time to do it if we have an opportunity with the Indians. I want nothing to do with Zach Plesak. That video he posted <laughs> on Instagram was was like, come on, dude. How stupid can you be? You're posting a video while driving, holding your phone. You're looking into the phone while driving and you're preaching safety and how everything that you did that night in Chicago was fine because, hey, my mom's a nurse and I have people at risk in my family, so I know better. And it's like, dude, but uh, the media reported something. The team did not refute anything that the media reported. And then the team made you drive a rental car all the way home by yourself, and then you were optioned. So you're probably not right here, and the fact that you're gonna die on this hill is terrible optics. This, like we were discussing a couple podcasts ago in terms of Domingo Herman and that whole dynamic, the Yankees can't afford to have another one of these situations. Clevenger, and on top of that, Plesak has, Plesak has proven nothing. Yes, he's He's been in the league for, this is his second year starting, 24 starts, 3.42 ERA. Sure, 
that's all fine and good. He doesn't strike out a ton of batters. Clevenger has the greater body of work. I've always liked Clev. Um, 100 games, 87 starts, 3.20 ERA. Uh, he, he, he's, he strikes out way more batters, uh, 578 strikeouts and 517 innings pitched. Um, that's the kind of guy I would want. Uh, however, he's got long, beautiful hair. Don't know if that's going to work in New York. Um, and on top of that, he hasn't really addressed what he did. Apparently he went out with Plezak, somehow snuck back in and then flew back with the team and I, I guess you could say put people at risk. We don't really, we, we have two conflicting stories. Please, Zach gave us the details in terms of they were having dinner and trading baseball cards and they just happened to be out late. Um, but they were following CDC protocol, so you could trust him. Um, but I think the move here is Clevenger. If you're going to do anything, he has a ton more experience. Um, he's a perfect window for like these next two years. He, he's a free agent after the 2023 season. Um, and Maybe you sacrifice a, a little bit of a bigger name here. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say Clint for Clevenger straight up. Um, I'm loving what Clint's doing right now. Like secretly, I don't want to get rid of him, but the fact I don't of the matter, neither do I. But the fact of the matter is, is somebody has to go, um, and we know that they're going to try and pilfer the Yankees on the trade market. We're going to try and offer, you know, Florial and. Uh, and Duhar for somebody, and they're just going to be like, no, why, why, why would we do that? And Duhar is on the decline. Flor you, you know, you're just, and now you're just trading from a position of surplus with Florial. You don't need him. Like, we're going to look bad making out, you know, making this trade. So, I again, it's complicated because I don't know what the solution here is in terms of what you would trade for a Clevenger. But the bottom line is, is that the move is Clevenger. The move is not Plezak. Let Plezak go to the Astros and waste away in that toxic environment, um, and just you know perpetuate more badness in the world and hopefully you know that just that, that that just becomes who they are and and the league just continues to hate them forever yeah i appreciate it and i guess we will see the, the yankees if they're going to pursue anyone at this deadline are going to pursue pitching they're maybe going to pursue a tommy canely replacement in the bullpen and the indians make more sense than anyone else based on this internal turmoil and a pitching overload so i guess we'll see if anything makes sense uh whether it's police act clevenger or no one that's it for this episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Remember to review us in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Please subscribe and drop us messages. We want to hear from you. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. And we will see you later this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And let's beat the Rays, please. See ya. <laughs>
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.